Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And today we're also joined by Mary Hunter. This is part three of our conversation with Mary. Mary is a horse owner, a training coach for both horses and dogs, and an applied behavior analyst. She has a great blog, stalecheerios.com, many of you may be familiar with, and she organizes the annual Art and Science of Animal Training Conference. We're skipping the 2021 conference, sadly, because of the coronavirus, but hopefully in 2022, we'll be back to having the annual conference. And together with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz, she has written the Portal Manual, and she was also our guide for the Listen and Learn audio course on applied behavior analysis. And do remember that for this month, we're having a holiday special on that course. So if you go to equosity.com, you can learn more about the Listen and Learn audio course, and you'll see that we're having a 25% discount off the price of the course. So this is a great time to register for it or to give it as a gift. Just before Thanksgiving, we spent a delightful afternoon catching up with Mary. We started out talking about gardening, one of my favorite subjects, and Mary shared her story of her attempt at growing cilantro. This led us to a discussion of extinction and then on to the importance of finding approximations that create early success in our shaping plans. We talked about Carol Dweck's work on growth versus fixed mindsets. We described several strategies for becoming more creative in finding constructional approaches to training. And we even talked about Doug Tallamy's Backyard National Parks and my other podcast, Horses for Future. That brought us to a lovely stopping place, a place where we could wish you all a very, very happy holiday. And at this point, we had talked already for a couple of hours, so we really needed to stop. But as we were winding down, I asked Mary if there were any other topics that she had wanted to explore, possibly for another recording session. Mary hesitated for a moment. Should she even bring this up? We had been talking for such a very long time already. It was the middle of the afternoon when we started, and now it was getting dark. But she thought she'd just share this one idea, not for talking about now, but for later. Except that that didn't really work because the subject that she wanted to talk about was helmets. Helmets. So we were curious. What was that about? We needed to know more. We needed a teaser. And the teaser, of course, ended up being a much longer conversation. So here is the podcast we were intending to record at another time, but instead recorded now as part of this current conversation. So helmets, yes, this is what we're going to be talking about. And you'll see in a moment, the connection to training. We could, one thing I was thinking we could talk about would be helmets, but not related to riding safety. Okay, That's, that sounds intriguing. That's a tease. 
Yeah, that's a great tease. Uh, do, do you want more of a tease? <laughs> yes, please. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about riding helmets. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, yes. So earlier, when was it? It was like the end of the summer. I have a friend who's, I follow her business Facebook page, and she teaches riding lessons and things like that. And um, she had posted about something completely unrelated, but in it, just in passing, she had mentioned that you should replace your riding helmet every five years. I've heard that. I had not okay. heard that. And, but it gave me pause because I ride with a helmet and, and I, I like being safe, but I, but I posted, I said, you know, I haven't heard that. Are you, are you sure that's true? Is that for all helmets? And I, I, I resisted a little bit. And so she, rep she replied and said, no, actually that's true. That's the, what the helmet research people are recommending now. And then someone else, another person got on and a couple other people started chatting back and forth on this thread. And one person said, well, that must be just the inexpensive helmets. I'm sure that doesn't apply to the, you know, the higher end, the five, $600 helmets. And the, the original poster, the woman who ran this page said, no, actually it applies to all the helmets. And so I want to be the two-year-old that says, why? <laughs> um, you know what? I would, I would have to go back and find the um, conversation, but it has, it has something to do with the way the material potentially degrades. Someone jumped into this conversation as well, who was a motorcycle rider. So we were talking about both horse helmets and bike helmets then, but especially when like your sweat and other things get in the helmet, it can affect the material then as well. You know, like if you're storing your helmet outside at the barn and it's in the heat or in the, in the really cold weather, but then, you know, then I, I, I started doing a little bit of reading and research and it, it seems like now most people are recommending that you replace your riding helmet about every five years. But what I, what I thought was most interesting about this is when this discussion was taking place online, there were several people who were part of the conversation who were very resistant. And I started thinking about it from a behavioral point of view and from a reinforcement and consequences point of view. The biggest thing is that if you're having to replace your helmet every five years, you're having to buy a new helmet every five years. You yes. know, especially if you're buying a more higher end helmet, that's, uh, you know, I know you can buy an inexpensive helmet for, you know, 60, 80, a hundred dollars, but most of, you know, many of the nicer ones are a couple hundred dollars or more. So there's automatically, when, when something new like this, and, and I'm not sure about all of the research and science, so, you know, but when something new like this comes about, often there's resistance. And the people who are the early adopters and supporters often get very angry at the people who are resisting. So why don't, why won't you change your mind? Why won't you start doing this? Why won't you? Yeah. Uh, but, but what we forget and what this discussion online brought to the forefront and made me start thinking more about is, is when people resist, 
it's because there are consequences. There's reinforcers and punishers for them that if they were to change their behavior, then then things would be different for them. And, you know, sometimes that's monetary. Sometimes that's, you know, just uncertainty of what's going to happen. And even just beyond the money, I bought a new helmet because mine was quite old, but just the effort of having to go through and research having, and yeah, having to go shopping for it. Remember what size helmet you wear. Yeah, you know, either... Oh, and this one doesn't feel as comfortable as that nice old one that I've had forever. We're trying to do shopping. Uh, you know, you don't really want to go try on helmets during a pandemic. Um, right. Or, and then trying to buy a helmet online, you're not sure what if it doesn't fit and then I have to return it. What if I yep. what if I buy one and then I don't like the style? You know, even if it fits my head, I might not like the style. Exactly. There are lots of reasons to not do it. Yes. Oh, that sounds like a good good idea but you know I'm not gonna fall off yeah so I don't really need you know I wear the helmet because one should but you know I'm I'm not I'm not going to be the one that actually needs the helmet so it doesn't matter that my helmet is 15 years old and and has cracks in it from being dropped from high high places kind of thing. and has been stored in the tack room in 100 degree heat for the yes. past five summers yes. right but but I think that happened this this, you know, this, the helmet story can be just more of a metaphor for other things as well. Best example would be, you know, trying to get a friend to do clicker training. But there's yes. there's lots of examples where either we want to change someone else's behavior or someone else wants to change our behavior. And we encounter a lot of resistance. And well, the mask wearing, I mean, the yeah. pandemic offers so many, you know, mask wearing, uh, staying six feet apart in stores, following the arrows in stores, how willing or not are you going to be to take the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera. The pandemic offers us lots of examples of one group is very convinced. I mean, I've, I've seen such compelling data that says that wearing a mask makes a difference that I'm very happy to wear a mask when I go out in public. Very happy. I have no resistance to it whatsoever. But clearly, that's not a universal feeling. That's actually a nice example, Alex, because I've been wearing masks in public and I've been very supportive of that. But as someone who wears glasses, it was difficult yes. for me at first because I, I had to try several different masks because the first several masks I tried, my glasses would fog up. You know, that can give me more empathy for... Are you telling me you found a mask that won't fog your glasses? Yes. So I have a, I have a cotton mask that has a wire nose band. And if I have the mask positioned right on my face and I have the nose band shaped correctly and then my glasses positioned correctly, my glasses do not fog up. But it took some practice and fiddling around and it was it was not easy. So, you know, I think about that. Which means that the incentive for finding the solution was strong enough. Right. Whether that was the fear of the virus or the social pressure from other people or whatever it was that provided enough of a motivator for you you were willing to go that extra step to find that solution. But someone else might not be. 
Yeah, your past history will also influence here because, you know, for me, when I hear something like that, you have to change your helmet uh, every five years and it's recommended by the companies. I don't know if I speak. My first thought is, of course, the companies will want us to change our helmet every five years. You know, it's very good for them, but show me the research. I will be skeptic because, you know, we've we've seen marketing scams in the past or heard things. That's why the two-year-old in me wants to pipe up and say, why? Yeah, show me, yeah. show me why, show me the research. And the same thing with the masks, that it wasn't a big deal to, to wear a mask. Getting a cotton mask was, was not a problem. So last March, or when we started wearing them, New York State was the first big outbreak. So you know, they, there was a considerable worry in this state. And so putting on a mask was not a big deal. And it was in March, it was cold. So actually wearing a mask was kept your, your face a little warmer. It was fine. And if I had needed more of an incentive, it would have been, well, let me go look for the data. So what does it take what kind of information, and I think you're right, Mary, about it, makes us more understanding of the reluctance that someone might have to a adopt an idea that we're gung-ho about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so like one thought exercise you can do, especially if you have something you're gung-hoing about and something, and but someone else is resistant about it or vice versa, is, you know, try to think from the other person's point of view you know, if they were to change their behavior, try to brainstorm what would be all of the positive consequences and negative consequences for them versus if they kept doing the same behavior mm. that they have been doing, what would be all of the positive outcomes and negative outcomes for them. And if you really try to go through all of those different possibilities, often you realize, oh, you know, if they change their behavior, this might happen. Or if they don't change their behavior, then they keep getting this reinforcer or this reward, you know? So you, you start to see that even though it makes sense to have a brand new helmet, you know, there may be other factors that you weren't thinking of originally. Yeah. It's the rat is always right. right. And the behavior makes sense to the organism. So you know, when we say, oh, you should try clicker training, it's really great. No, 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 no. That's no, no, no. I couldn't possibly, you know, I that couldn't possibly feed my horse treats. That just wouldn't work. What actually is being said there? And I think that's a great thought exercise. And it might even reveal better other different ways of talking about the things that we're passionate about. So, yeah. Helmets. Yeah. Interesting. So now we have to go research and really find out, do we have to, re I'm trying to think now how old my helmet is because I have it. It's fairly new, actually. <laughs> so I think I'm, I think I'm okay. I love how Mary always brings yes. things back to behavior. Everything is everything I love else. That. Yes. Everything is behavior. Well, as long as we're talking about helmets, I, after I got a new helmet, because I, I did a little bit of research and then I thought about it and realized that my helmet was quite old. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure 
what makes exactly the five-year cutoff mark, but you know, it probably is a good idea periodically to replace your helmet. So yeah. at the end of the summer, I bought a new helmet, but- What did you get? What um, kind? I, it's a Troxel. Um, ah, okay. So I did online shopping and fortunately it seems to fit. So it's a pretty yes. um, kind of shiny blue turquoise color, so. Yeah, they're, they're an attractive helmet. They do not fit my head, uh, which is annoying. Yeah. Because they're an attractive helmet. I had the old helmet, and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, Turn it upside down and plant uh, cilantro in. Right. Well, because, you know, you think about it. I don't want to... Yeah, you don't want, you don't want to put it on eBay and sell it no. to somebody else. So if it's not safe for you, it's not safe for somebody right. else. I don't want to sell it. I don't want to, you know, give it away because it's... It's, if it's not like you said if it's not safe for me it's not for safe for someone else and then it's a big chunk of material I don't want to just put it in the trash either so I, I posted on the horses for future Facebook group so people can go look and find my post if they want and this goes back to your what you were saying earlier Dominique about like how do we know like when we get stuck how do or, or when we're trying to go back a step how do we know what to do do like sometimes we know we need to go back a step but we don't know what to do that I feel like that's how I felt with this helmet because I had I'd heard I'd seen ideas of people saying to turn it into some people turn them into planters you know and like hang them and put flowers or something Mm -hmm. in them but I I I wasn't sure I wasn't convinced I wanted to do that but I felt stuck I didn't I knew I wanted to do something with it and I didn't know what to do. And so I posted on the Facebook group and several people jumped in with comments. And one person in particular, I, I don't remember who it was, gave this long answer about taking it apart and using the straps and snaps for one thing and the, um, the, the mesh in it as you could make a little bag out of that and you could use the hard shell for something else. And I was going, wow, I I wouldn't have ever thought of any of that. You know, that I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where there's ways we can probably practice. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just a creativity exercise. It's this, it's this helmet with all these different parts and what could I use all these parts for? And so I guess I'll be honest you know, we, we recycle, we have a recycling bin and the, we put the things that can be recycled in it and the city hauls them off. But as far as items like this helmet and knowing how to break it into several different components and reuse and recycle them, I realized I'm not actually really that good at that. And I would like to be better at that. But going back to the growth mindset as well, that's a skill that I can, I can practice the idea that I, I had this helmet and I didn't know what to do with it. I felt like I was very much in the same situation as what we were talking about earlier, where you know you need to do something different with your training and you don't know what mm-hmm. to do. So right. it's looking at things from mm-hmm. a different perspective. And there's a lovely mantra that I sort of live by in my uh, cluttered existence. There is a use for everything and everything has its use. I'm a very reluctant tosser outer. Yeah. Because I look at something and I think, oh, you know, there's a use for, there's a use for that little scrap of wood. I mean, it, it, one of the things when we 
when we built the barn. And I remember as they were loading up uh, the trailers with the last, you know, all this, this scrap that builders have. And, but the trailer was sitting in the barnyard and I went out and I'm pulling things off of it. Oh, that looks useful. That looks useful. I can use that. And I, I've, I've been building things ever since. And I, fi I finally have used up every last bit of what I salvaged from the barn. And I just tickled pink of all the things that I've built. You know, part of, big part of uh, the goatery was built out of scraps from the barn. I built a, a room in the garage for uh, that's um, uh, rodent proof uh, for storage. It's just, and, and it's the most bizarre wall you ever want to see because it was, you know, I won't even begin to describe it, but one of my, one of the things that I really enjoy is, because I, I don't, especially when it comes to building things, making things, I don't really know how things are supposed to be built, which frees me up. And uh, because since I don't know the proper way, I invent my own way. And, and one of the things that I love doing is walking up and down the aisles of various stores, looking at how could I repurpose, you know, this, this object was made for a specific purpose, but how could I use it to solve the problem that I have? Or, I mean, I loved going when I was first uh, introducing the horses to clicker training. My favorite, favorite tack store was the toy aisles in places you know because you 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 go up and down the aisles where they have all the toddler toys and it's like well how could i use this with the horses yeah uh, or you know how could i oh look here i am in the kitchen supplies and and all these wonderful objects that can be targets and that kind of exercise that kind of puzzle solving it's a great exercise for for your your mind i remember when we built the barn we have Dutch doors on the uh, on the outside of the stalls, and they're standard doors. They 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 come from a you know building manufacturer who makes Dutch doors, stall doors for horses, and they came with latches that I took one look at and said I don't want those anywhere near my horses. They're not safe, but we still needed to be able to close them. And so the, the standard way, the standard hardware that they came with, I was not acceptable to me. The hardware that I looked at in the in places like Home Depot and Lowe's and the hardware stores weren't quite doing it. So I just, you know, I kept walking up and down the aisles looking at various ways of latching things until we came up with a solution for those doors that has now stood the test of time and is very safe. So we look at things like, all right, I don't, I don't want this solution, but let me go, let me go walk the aisles and look at things from a completely different point of view. This was made to, I don't know, to hang a shelf, <laughs> but what else could I use it? What, you know, I, that's not what I want to do. How can I use this to solve my problem? It's a great, it's a great mental exercise. Well, you know, what's changed my perspective is making the portal kits because now any yes. sort of little object that I'm about to throw away, I think, oh no, that could go in a portal kit. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I, I, I have lots of little things that I save now because I think, oh, we can use that when we're playing portal, you know, like yes. even, even like the, um, 
the lids off of milk jugs or juice containers or things like that. I have, I have a whole collection of lids now that are different colors and slightly different sizes that could be used for teaching colors or bigger and smaller, or, uh, you know, you could stack them and teach heights. So, you know, I have a whole, I have a whole bucket full of lids now that I've saved because there's a use for everything because they're good portal objects. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so this this object that was the lid off of a milk container is now a wonderful piece in a portal game. Yes. And this ability to repurpose, because recycling has to be more than just, I used it twice before I threw it out. Yeah. You know, I used this bag four times. I, so I got this plastic bag from the grocery store and I used it to carry my groceries home and then I used it to hold some other object that I that I needed uh, to put in a container for a, a little bit, and then I threw it out. That's not that's not sufficient. We've we got more uses out of it, so that's good. But we have to do more than just use it once or twice and then throw it out. So it's this whole repurposing, and yeah. and having that skill to see there is still there's another way that, to, that we can use this object. So you guys, you're not too much into the declutter trend, right? <laughs> well, there is the danger of that because, you know, because <laughs> there is this, you, know, you don't want to live where you can barely move for all the, the, the clutter and stuff that you have. Sometimes the reusing doesn't have to be you. That's true. We moved into this new house and, um, the lovely house the previous owners were actually operating it as a bed and breakfast so they left behind a bunch of things some of the things were very nice they left us two lovely antique wardrobes they left us a bunch of junk as well so <laughs> um i've slowly been getting rid of all of the junk that they left some of it was stuff that was not usable to us but perhaps usable to someone else so they there were these th- four long wooden, uh, like heavy wooden boards with hardware on them that looked like they may have been part of like a homemade bed frame or something like that. There were there were pieces missing, so it was difficult to tell what they were. But we we didn't have any use for them, so I posted them on um, Facebook Marketplace for free. And they sat there and they sat there and they sat there and for over a month and a half to the point where I was twiddling my fingers and thinking that I may just throw them out with the trash because I, they were taking up, they, they're like six or seven foot long boards. They were taking up a lot of space. And then last week someone contacted me and this, um, this, nice man came and got them he's redoing his barn and he had some spot where he would be able to use the wood and then the hardware and metal pieces on the end he was going to take those off and use those for something else in in the barn so he has made now your behavior of posting on these online market very resilient yeah yeah you know but but i think i think sometimes we get stuck that this thing was used for this so i have to keep using it for this 
but it may be that you can use it for something completely different or someone else can use it for the same purpose or someone else can use it for something completely different. But it's finding this way to, to step back and, and find different solutions or new solutions or you know just ideas that we wouldn't have thought so, of before. So that makes me think of horses and how many times have we had heard of the situations where the horse, you know, oh, this horse is no longer useful to me because I want to jump. But that horse still, you know, from the horse's perspective, his life still has value to him. And so, yes, you may not be able to jump him anymore, but you could certainly find other ways to continue the relationship. Or maybe it is a situation where it's time for him to become the teacher for somebody who's brand new to riding and he would just be the perfect horse to build their confidence uh, and but they don't need to jump you know that kind of thing this seeing value in things that when we change how we look at them is enormously important mm-hmm. we're stepping back from the instantly disposable yeah. existence that seems to be so much the modern trend. Yeah, I don't know if this makes sense, but Alex, it's almost kind of like in in the Feldenkrais work. It's like we're pausing, you know, we're pausing to think about, yes. you know, how, how can I see this in a different way or how can I yep. feel it in a different way? Or, you know, I think we often just keep going, 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 going. And, and if we just kind of pause and think to ourselves, how can I look at this differently? We start seeing new ideas. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we may not, we don't necessarily have to have an in, a use for it instantly. Yeah. Or have or the answer instantly. It's it's not right. Not instantly having the answer, but knowing that you can pause and ask, how can I yep. see this differently? How can I approach this differently? How can I use this differently? Yeah. Let me think about that for a little bit. And the solution will come when it, when I'm ready to get to that step, the solution will be there. And, and something relating that back to training too, is I think I know from myself, you know, sometimes there's a behavior that I get a little bit stuck on. And sometimes I find the best thing is, you know, especially if I don't need that behavior immediately, to just go work on some other behaviors for, yes. for a few weeks. Yes. You know, just don't oh, I agree. realize that yeah. you need a different solution, but, but don't try to force it, you know, like mm. take a break, go work on some yeah. other things for a few weeks. And then several weeks later, come back to that. And I find I often have new ideas then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you yeah, don't create a bigger problem. And that when you do come back to it, because you have been working on those other things, you may, without even realizing it, they may be components or preparation for... Or you may see connections or ways you can use some yes, of the other things. Yes, and so now you're ready for the solution to be revealed. And that is, that's so, so often the case. You know, that, that whenever you're finding that something is really, really hard, Unless you need it immediately, like for medical procedure, but that's that's a different category. But you know, when you're finding in general that something is is just uh, hard and it feels stuck, 
step away from it, step back from it for a bit, go work on something else. When you return to it, you will often, you'll, you'll return to it fresher, you'll return to it with a larger repertoire, and the solution will often be there. Yeah. It's really remarkable how it works. So riding helmets to training <laughs> solutions. You're, that's very good. That's very good. I like this. Everything is connected to everything yes. else. Everything is everything yes. else. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I think we've, we've had a, a most enjoyable afternoon making connections. Lots of connections. We've, we've been growing cilantro and buying new helmets and discovering uh, about hydroponic growing and earlier collecting <laughs> yes. lids of all sorts and going to the toy store yes and in previous our previous conversation growing our own national park right in our own backyard or patio i mean lots of connections and and they're all connected to behavior and they're all connected to training and they're all connected to a hopeful mindset and so that's what we want to take forward a really hopeful growth mindset. And so uh, we'll wish everyone a very, very happy holiday season full of finding great ways to reuse and repurpose and be inventive and creative and have a lot of fun. That was a fun conversation. And believe it or not, we went on talking for quite a while after we invented a new party game for trainers. How many degrees of separation are there between a word randomly chosen from the dictionary and a training concept? How many steps are there, not just between riding helmets, recycling, and finding creative ways to uncover component skills, but between other words thrown out at a party game? That would make a fun Zoom get-together with training friends. Before I leave you with holiday wishes, let me remind you that we're having a holiday special on our Listen and Learn audio course on Applied Behavioral Analysis. It's 25% off the regular price, and that offer is available through the end of December 2020. Mary was our guide through the course, so you know already what a wonderful teacher she is. Just as she did with riding helmets, she finds stories and metaphors that bring clarity to the concepts that we explore in the course. And some of those concepts are really quite head-spinning. So having her very clear teaching is a huge plus. You can learn more about the course by visiting our website, equosity.com. And while you're on the internet, do visit my other podcast, Horses for Future. I'm doing a series on Dr. Doug Tallamy's Backyard National Parks. It's one thing to talk about planting native plants and implementing the other changes he suggests. It's quite another to know how to go about doing it. So I'm taking our constructional training approach to the creation of my own backyard national park. The concept behind Horses for Future is a simple one. Horses need pastures for grazing. So as horse owners, we care for a lot of land. Individually, collectively, we can make a positive difference for the environment. If you want to listen to the podcast, visit 
sequestercarbon.com or subscribe to the Horses for Future podcast through your regular podcast provider. And to learn even more about things you can do, go to the Horses for Future Facebook group. It's a phenomenal group where people have been posting all kinds of links and resources and really great, clever ideas on how we can all make a difference for the good of the planet. And now, finally, it is time to wish you again a very wonderful holiday season. Stay safe, everyone, and have fun with your horses. (laughs) 